0: Hi there, and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host, Praddy, and this is episode number 44. And today we're going to be talking about, well, actually, before we get to that, let me tell you that we're probably at the fag end of all of the seasons across Europe. So the Bundesliga is pretty much done, the French League was cancelled, the Eredivisie was cancelled. Uh, the Premier League, Serie, A and La Liga are probably towards the, you know, the latter half. Not even less than the half of the seasons left. So it's probably towards the last eight to ten games remaining. And so I thought it would be interesting to kind of discuss what separates, uh, what separates the championship teams from the rest below them. Uh, and in specifically, or yeah, in particular, we're going to be talking about. Or we're going to be discussing the style of play that these teams have adopted. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk of what kind of football is the norm in modern-day football. Uh, and whether it's attacking, whether it's defensive. And so we're going to be probably analysing those two areas. And I, I'm not going to say that we're going to come up with a definite answer. But we it's definitely going to be a more analytical uh, podcast episode today and to help me you know discuss all of this in greater detail I've got with me a recurring guest on this podcast he's done a lot of these unorthodox topics before with me and I'm pretty sure you'd have heard of him if you've listened to our previous podcast episodes his name is arjun and i will ask him to give you a brief introduction once again just for those of you who joined us for the first time so arjun take it away
1: Uh, hi hi guys good afternoon uh thanks for having me on the podcast again uh as he mentioned like uh i'm arjun i'm an Arsenal fan which is not the best time to say it out loud but uh yeah I currently live in the Netherlands, and football here is cancelled for the season, so not much of local football to watch, but kind of adapting and watching you know the leagues on t v like the rest of like the rest of us i guess uh but yeah, that's how it is right now uh adapting to tough times, hope everyone's staying safe and yeah, quite excited to do a podcast after I think it's been quite a while since the last podcast we did. So, yeah, quite excited to do it again.
0: Yeah, I I mean, because football has started, we probably did a couple of more, you know, I think Bundesliga topics and stuff like that, which because football has started, it was more related to what was happening currently. And now I think it's been on for a while now and there hasn't been really something too great to talk about. You know, we could talk talk transfer windows, but that's not yet going to happen. We could talk about, you know, arsenals, Uh, misfortunes of late and stuff like that but you know this is something that uh, we plan to have a lot more and I think this is a little more relevant because there's been a there's been continuous talk about you know uh, pundits and all saying that you know every team should be playing more attacking style football you know it should be pleasing on the eye but Like we're going to probably find out that that may not necessarily be the case always if you want to build a more successful team. And Arjun, you brought this up anyway uh, when I asked you, did you want to talk, uh, What? do you have a topic in mind? And you basically said that we should probably be focusing on the defensive side of the game, the one that people get bored of quite easily, that people don't really care much about and you think that that side of the game matters a lot more than the attacking side in most cases when we're talking about a championship team. Uh, why is it that you think that uh, think so?
1: Right. Um, well, so firstly, you know, when when you talk about winning a league title, usually, you know, the team that has the best defense in the league wins you that title. Uh, the reason why I, you know, just thought about this topic to bring, you know, to approach you with this topic, was actually because of Juventus. Um, Juventus pre- before Sari traditionally, you, you could say, set up defensively. Like their identity, when people thought of Juventus, was you know not like a free flowing Man City kind of football. It was more a defensive, reserved football. Uh, even Conte had like three at the back at Juventus, which he implemented at Chelsea, but. You know, it was more defensive and, you know, they just walked their way to the league title. And this season under Sarri, like, yeah, it hasn't really been convincing. Even Sarri at Chelsea wasn't convincing. That's because he's trying to adapt, you know, an attacking, free-flowing kind of formation in a very defensively set up team. And... Which is why even this season people are not convinced. Yeah, they're still ahead in the league, but they're right now I think ahead in the league just by a point, and that's honestly not good enough for a team of Juventus's caliber and talent. So this actually got me thinking that you know there's so many teams that set up defensively and are feared, and you know if you look at the Premier League, okay, right now Liverpool and Man City are just dominating it because they're a level above everyone else. Because but if you think about The last two teams who won it, who weren't them, it was Chelsea under Conte, who again set up defensively, and Leicester City under Ranieri, who predominantly played with, you know, uh, uh, counter-attacking football. But again, he was also, it was a defensive team. It was a counter-attacking team, but it was a defensive team. The reason why the neutral fan loved it was, you know, because it was an underdog story. and. This topic, what we're going to talk about today is more... People who watch it just for, to watch football for fun would probably not agree with most of what we're saying because, you know, the reason why pundits love to, you know, promote attacking football because it it's easy on the eye. But defensive football, I feel, is more for, like, the purest. And if you go really, like, as you said... Uh, analyzing each game or a particular game that's when you talk for the defensive side of things which is which has its own audience, I guess but it would kind of be something probably refreshing for your listeners as well so I think that's why we're talking about this topic right
0: so you brought up Juventus and that's i mean for for a long time Juventus has always been known more for their back three or back yeah at that point back three which would be Basagli, bonucci Yelini, and Gelini. Yeah. yeah exactly so you, you knew juventus more from their defenders and probably their central defensive midfielder which is perlo at that point which was perlo at that point of time rather than their attackers right uh, so you kind of associated the name juventus to being more defensive sound, defensively sounded uh, more defensively sound team and than a more attacking one. And I, I don't... I mean, I'm, I might not be wrong by saying that the, it's not the only team to do that. We've seen teams in other leagues also do that. And I think one of the teams that we're probably going to be mentioning a lot over here is Atletico Madrid. Uh, I, I mean, Which, again, you, when you... The moment you hear about Atletico Madrid or the moment Atletico Madrid's name pops up in the Champions League ballot or the, uh, you know, uh, what is that? The pick... As Yeah, uh, the draw. The draw. Right, right. Exactly, the draw. Yeah. But it, you immediately think, oh no, how do we break down that team? Because they're always known to be really, really compact and defensive. Uh, but before we get to that, you, I mean, the pundits normally, or some pundits normally have always, or there's a saying in football, which is, you always build from the back and, you know, your defence wins you trophies. Your attacking attackers win you matches, your defence wins you trophies. Now, does that always just because does that is that the same as saying that a defensively minded team is better than uh, an attacking side in terms of winning trophies, or is are those two kind of you know they sound the same but they're kind of uh, mutually exclusive to one another?
1: Well, it's They kind of sound the same, don't you think? Like, Because mostly if a team does not concede, invariably you would say that they do score more. But if you, you know, on the flip side, let's just change the argument slightly from defending trophies to surviving in a league, right? Like how many teams, can you recall, like caught your eye? Like like newly promoted teams, how many of them actually caught your eye in, in the Premier League in the last... I don't know, 10 years. In my uh, in my mind, I can say Blackpool. Hmm. I can say uh, probably Wolves. And that's about maybe Sheffield United this season. Yeah, I mean, probably, I put maybe Newcastle in there uh, as well. Newly promoted? Like the first season once they got back in the Premier League, did they catch your eye? Newcastle?
0: I mean, I guess probably that's also because they had Rafa as manager and maybe that's why, but I think there was right. certainly a little more, I mean, he, he played the true Rafa style, which is a lot more compact than you knew Newcastle to be. Right.
1: Yeah. So, so basically what, what we we're just talking about is, um, Wolves are a uh, play on the counter attack, but are also a free flowing team. Uh, And I think they're an exception to the general newly promoted rule. But if you think about Blackpool or Sheffield United, like these are like two teams in the past 10-odd years who caught your eye by playing good football. Um, One of whom got relegated. But if you look at the amount of newly promoted teams who survived, most of them have been because they played with a defensive base. So it's not only... And those teams don't really catch your eye, but at the same time they survive in the premier league so i mean if i were to ask you if crystal palace this decade has been more successful than blackpool what would your answer be
0: yeah i guess right they've probably right. been in the
1: yeah right but they they don't make headlines okay apart from zaha they don't make headlines in like you know anything they're just mid table they play like defensively compact all of that and even newcastle as you mentioned with uh, Rafa, like when he he joined the club, he imposed put his identity on the club, and they play defensively. But again, there's it, nothing to write home about. But it gets the job done. So when you look at the league title as as well, like you can it can guarantee consistency. That's my opinion. Like Atletico Madrid are so feared because they guarantee consistency. Like the they've had people come into the club, leave the club, personnel change. One thing's for sure, you know with Atletico Madrid, they rarely concede five goals a game or four goals a game. And that's why they're always there and thereabouts when it comes to European honours or domestic honours. So, yeah, it's it's not mutually exclusive, talking about attacking versus defending, but I do feel like off late there's a shift in, in the way managers approach... Uh, you know, building up a team to actually contest and fight for major honours. That's actually a criticism I have of Arsenal, though. Like, I understand you have, like, your own identity to build and you have everything, but that identity hasn't worked for the past 14 years, 15, 16 years to deliver the league. So why stick with it? And, like, Arteta, I know he's doing a good job right now, but it's basically a mix of what... Pep Guardiola did at City versus what Arsenal Wenger did at Arsenal and he's just trying to continue the same thing. My, I don't want to say criticism but I feel like if he sets up with a defensive approach to the game yes, it's not the Arsenal way but it'll at least guarantee or it'll make Arsenal more feared. You know, if let's say they had a coach like Simeone, yeah, the change would not be overnight because he needs to change the complete mentality and the setup of a team but it does take time to achieve that. And I really feel like even Arteta at Arsenal should consider approaching a game in such a way. Like, especially Man City away, he should have, he should approach it with a defensive mentality, a defensive mindset. And I think that's something you will see more and more in the, you know, maybe next season. Okay,
0: so I, before I get to, you know, there are, so the the beauty about this topic is that there are a lot of, things where i can you know side with you on and there are a lot of exceptions to this entire uh you know entire topic or discussion you know there are teams that probably defy this uh, logic that defense wins you the titles and we'll come to that in a bit but i want to side with you in terms of when i when you were talking about how defense sort of not only wins you titles but also keeps you in the Top division. I don't want to yeah. restrict it only to the Premier League, but in any top division. Our uh, teams are only in the relegation battle because one is that their attacking, their attackers aren't very good. In which case, they tend to not score as many. Uh, and I'm not saying that they leak too many, but they will leak enough uh, that they can't outscore their opponents. If that makes any sense, uh, and the other way you could look at it is that the defence leaks a lot and their attackers also aren't very good or they can't outscore teams on a regular basis. But you mentioned Arsenal and you know the de- defensive frailties that everyone knows about. Yeah, We've seen it even in the two matches that they've played of late. Uh, and it's kind of reminiscent to what we had uh, at Liverpool pre Virgil van Dijk and Um uh, and to some extent even Fabinho. So our defence was shamb- shambolic at best. Um, it made for very entertaining football, I must tell you. I think the 2013-14 season where we lost the title to Man City by two points. And last and 2017-18 when we made it to the Champions League final but lost out to Real Madrid. Those two seasons in recent memory have been the best seasons to watch Liverpool. Uh, I'm guessing, even as a neutral fan, but as a Liverpool fan as well, right? We may be, I wouldn't say unbeatable, but nearly unbeatable in the past two seasons, at least domestically. But I've like watching football was never as fun as in those two seasons. Right. I, I said that. I said that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and but that like we like I've said and like we said that doesn't always win you titles and sure it's it's nice to watch and you know this thriller matches your heart beating and that's what people love watching football exactly
1: like like that's what i said right like this this entire topic uh what we're talking about as well it doesn't really mean that you know winning a title means making or having exciting games like some people who believe that a 1-0 or a 2-0 cannot, is not an exciting game, would probably disagree with everything that I'm talking about right now. But uh, with, it's, it's a fine line. Like, as you said, like Liverpool didn't win the title, but it was the most exciting season for, for you to watch as a Liverpool fan, right? But the fact that you guys got Alisson and Van Dijk, Fabinho, it showed up your defence, which complemented the attacking play and all of that. I understand that. But it helped the whole philosophy. It was the final piece in the entire philosophy. So I don't think Liverpool count in 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 the argument that I'm trying to put forward because their philosophy is basically Geigenpressing. And that isn't a defensive it's not really a predominantly defensive uh approach to the game, if you understand what I'm saying. Neither is Man City's. So yeah maybe you could say liverpool and man city are exceptions to that rule but i feel like if any team were to break that trend it would be a defensively set up team so like, that, that's I, what that no but that's what i wanted to
0: that's what i had asked earlier but you, know, you know what is the difference between building from the back and being defensive so teams can build from the back but still not be called defensively minded teams right like like you mentioned man city okay. and liverpool like yeah. Just a second. So, Man City, when Guardiola came in and he didn't win anything in his first season, said, I need to revamp the entire defence. And he built that defence from new. But you wouldn't yeah. really call Manchester City a defensively-minded team, right? Right. So, yes, there's probably a slight grey area where they might intersect. But building from the back doesn't always mean that that team is defensively-minded.
1: Okay. Um Maybe this might be a better uh, uh, like way to understand where the gray areas, like where the lines are drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal under Unai Emery versus Nuno Espirito Santo at Wolves. I feel both of them have the mentality of playing out from the back. Both of them play with similar formations, but one manager is currently sixth in the Premier League, and one lost his job in November because Wolves have a defensive setup and are playing out kind of from the back, which complements that. And Arsenal inherently had an attacking philosophy. And Una Emery tried to implement playing out from the back with players who cannot play out from the back or who are not equipped of playing out from the back. So, yeah, he tried by getting in ball-playing centre-backs like David Luiz, to an extent William Saliba, but, you know, it wasn't enough to stamp the authority of playing out from the back being the identity of a club. Now, Guardiola did this because he had time at Man City. Uh, He had an endless checkbook, practically, and he has done it before. He has won league titles before. But I I think when you have a philosophy which is attacking, obviously the defence needs to do its bit. If it doesn't, you don't win a league title. As you know from Liverpool's... 2013 season like amazing attack but no defense even this the year when Liverpool got to the Champions League final and lost so to win a league title you need both to come and come hand in hand but the philosophy of Liverpool and Man City are attacking and I don't see this last consistently for years on end but on the other hand I can see Atletico Madrid who predominantly set again play out sort of from the back have a defensive setup always been consistent and that's kind of testament to how the Champions League game turned out this season. If you... I presume you watched local Athletic Madrid with both legs, and the way Simeone set up was two defensive blocks. And... And it worked. Yes, you could say it was un- unfortunate about, you know, the injury and all of that to uh, to Alisson, but yeah, I mean, Atletico Madrid just played with what they were given, and they beat Liverpool on both legs individually as well as obviously on the aggregate scoreline. So, that begs the question, on in the long run or in the European stage, what is more effective?
0: Yeah, okay. But again, so now let me get to counter-arguments because I think that will make it a little more interesting now. So, you say Atletico Madrid, yeah, what they did against Liverpool may have been, you can call it a masterclass and whatever because Simeone has done this Time and time again, whether it be against Bayern Munich, whether it be against us, uh, but he has failed as well. He's not won that elusive title in in European football. He's not won the Champions. He's got close enough, but he's not won. And he's not won it because the team that he played against was a more attacking side in Real Madrid. I think two, two, three times. I think two, two times. I think yeah, two times. Yeah. Um, and so. And and in other couple of circumstances, they've not even qualified. Like last, season, last year, I don't think they even qualified to the knockout stages of the tournament. So, uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention, and this is, I, I know I'm bringing it back to the Premier League here, but we, every pundit right now criticizes Mourinho for being, you know, too defensive. Like here we've been sitting down and saying that by setting up a defensive block and setting up a defensive team, teams have actually you know, teams have either done well in winning trophies or, you know, staying in the Premier League and all of that. So why is it that Mourinho, given his defensive style, and this is the same Mourinho who we lauded for such a rock solid defense when he was in charge of Chelsea the first year or so, even when he came back for the first couple of seasons. So why is it that he's getting the stick? Is it that people are judging him too harshly, that you know people want fo- attacking football and that's why they're judging him? Or is that being too defensive and you know too outdated for his own good
1: for his own good? So um okay, let me Okay, first of all I love the fact that in this topic, you know, we are just changing <coughs> like just in one statement, you know Talk about 10 different clubs. And yeah. that's the beauty of this topic because, you know, you have so many examples to give and there's so much information out there. But uh with your specific question to Mourinho, I don't think Mourinho is a defensive coach. He he was manager of Real Madrid where they scored more than 100 goals. He knocked, you know, Barcelona off the league title by playing that way. He came back to Chelsea, they still dominated the league uh and you know he wasn't overly defensive, but yeah he he stamped his own authority he didn't he he was he had a good balance he struck the right balance at man United. What I think the problem was that man United was always considered you know by you could say pundits who are predominantly representing man United or liverpool uh for being the best team in the country. Uh, for playing, you know, above everyone else, a level above everyone else. And traditionally, Man United are not used to playing negatively or defensively. So it was just a question of the individual and the club having two very contrasting philosophies and those clashed. Now, if Mourinho would have won the league with a defensive setup at Man United, I don't think anyone would have complained. But the fact that he did not win is what was the problem. And that was the only difference between his time at Chelsea and his time at Man United. And honestly, I do believe that even now, Solskjaer's first few months in charge, he beat PSG away, he beat Arsenal away, he he played really good football. I mean, he got the results, but that was because I think this team was drilled really well defensively. And that's the case with Mourinho, in my opinion. But, I mean, so his recent failings
0: then you're saying is down to clashes with the philosophy that Manchester United had and, you know, the clashes in philosophy between Mourinho and what yeah, the I think, club had. I think,
1: exactly. I think it's a clash in philosophy. And also, like, are you, why do you call it a failure, though? I'm curious. Because he himself said that finishing second with Man United was his biggest un- accomplishment. So, I, I'm just... I, I'm not saying that... Okay, no,
0: so you... How do you judge? Okay, this is getting into a little diversion, but how would you judge standards? Right. So I'm judging him based on what he won in other countries, and to that he has failed because he hadn't won the title, won titles wherever he went. Yes, he won the Europa and all of that, but
1: he didn't um, win the league. You mean, right?
0: He didn't. That, yeah, that's what you judge uh, him out of, right? You don't. He's not won a champ. He doesn't win Champions League on a regular basis. so You can't really blame him for his European failings but you would judge him on what he does in the league and in the league uh, it wasn't the greatest of uh, seasons that he w- when he was there like speaking like you know normally speaking it was only until the third season happened when you kind when you really called him a fail I think until then I would still say that he did decently well winning those two trophies he'd won at least more trophies than Liverpool and all had done so you Kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt there, uh, but personally, I feel like he failed because uh, compared to what he had been doing in Real Madrid and the style of play, it just didn't fit right here.
1: Right. And, uh, so, you, but here's the thing, though: if you if you if you use trophies as, as a metric alone, then yes, he failed. But you cannot use trophies as a metric alone because by that logic, twelve months ago, you would say Liverpool and Klopp had failed at Liverpool.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say fey but I, I knew he was building things. I, I yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But yeah. Yeah. do you get what I mean though? Because even Mourinho in his first two seasons won. Mourinho in two seasons did more than Klopp in his first two seasons at Liverpool.
0: And I, I'd and I, and I I'd agree with that. I have no problems saying that Mourinho was, a little, was more successful in those two years than Klopp was. Because Klopp, yes, we got a lot of finals and there was progress but we just didn't win the trophies which Mourinho did and he's a serial winner. I I'd completely agree with that. But Okay, c- coming to the topic, do you think that you mentioned Real Madrid and you said Mourinho isn't defensively minded, but he's more attacking. But we, yet we call him Park the bus Mourinho. We call his tactics parking the bus, all of that. Uh, first of all, why is then why do we call him that? Because we really then shouldn't. Because we should then say that maybe he's not got the players to put out his style. So we should be a little more understanding to that. So why is the Park the bus moniker solely put to? Mourinho and second is it only is it then a case of players being more suited to that kind of a defensively styled minded game? right I, yeah, yeah so
1: I honestly think it's that no but then uh, why is that why are you saying
0: that but why are you so sure that Atletico Madrid will stay that long you know that consistent with being defensively minded because say if another coach goes in do you think that because it's the philosophy of the club that is defensively minded I mean to, like you said, you spoke yeah, about yeah, yeah. No, I understand.
1: Like, I understand your question. But yeah, if if a coach has stamped his authority on a club for a long time, as long as Simeone has, the players are used to that style of play. Now, when I say that Atletico Madrid would sustain that way for a long time, it's with the assumption that the board hires the next coach with a similar mindset and a similar mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, if now Atletico Madrid go tomorrow and hire Guardiola, they're not going to win for two seasons. That's my opinion. Because you have the players who are drilled defensively. In the game against Liverpool, you had uh, the back four and two uh, m- midfield pivots who are defensive players. And then you had, you know... Players like Korea and Koke stepping back into form defensive blocks in both the legs. So you practically had eight people defending and who have been drilled to defend in different set-piece scenarios and different open play scenarios to cut the passing lanes, all of that. So you can't just go directly from there and then say, hey, let's play a free-flowing style of football. What Athletic Madrid have are players with individual quality who make a difference in games and score those goals in games. But it doesn't happen if those defensive blocks don't do their job. So, okay. yeah. so to answer your question, like, hmm. yes, you can never say for sure that a team would, would would be that way. But the reason why I made that statement was because the Atletico Madrid board are pretty sensible in the sense they don't go for a player unless they're dead certain of them so even if you look at the, the transfers that have failed for atletico madrid not a lot in the past 10 years honestly like you can pick out a few but not disastrous failures in my opinion a couple of them yes but not not the majority of them majority of them have done really well and it's also difficult for atletico madrid the reason why they haven't won uh, to answer that is because financially they have to they end up selling players V- very frequently, they lost Griezmann. They, in the past, they've lost Aguero. They've lost multiple players after that. Um, I I disagree with you because like even if they had to sell, I felt like the the people that they've
0: got to replace them were equally, if not, you know, yeah, probably better at some time. So for every Aguero, for every four lines, uh sold or Torres sold, they had an Aguero. They had a Diego Costa. They had. People who fit that kind of play, like Diego Costa, is a perfect embodiment of what Simeone's Football is right, rough, and you know, not exactly too pleasing on the eye, but very rough and
1: in your face yeah, kind of football. But it's the wrong player. Like it's the wrong position. Like if you said he was a defensive midfielder who played like that, I would agree with you. But if, but like, if you look at Atletico Madrid strikers in the past, yes, Costa was a striker. But like, I'm I'm talking about before he moved to Chelsea. Uh, he was that sort of that player. But after that, he just became like a out-and-out centre forward. But if you look at um, Griezmann, for example, or Felix, they aren't those players. They're just really good individual talents who do the job up front for them. Even Thomas Lamar. So it's, I, I would say like sometimes a loss of a really solid presence does the damage psychologically as well. So if you lose someone like Diego Godin, you know, you have to, how do you fill that void? You need need to have the right player to do so. And you need to have like a leader. So it's not only about the ability, it's about many other things. So it's very difficult to narrow it down to one particular reason, but I'm saying overall, all things considered, I feel that they are well set to End up being a European powerhouse if they continue in this trajectory with you know their defensive setup. But
0: uh, I could, I mean, the thing is like they they have had this setup for a while now, and they really haven't been an European. Yeah, sure, they have their key victories against some key sides and they've made it a couple of times to the final. But so has Liverpool, so has like Bayern, so has many attacking teams. So, why is it that you're sure that they've become... Because they've lost two teams that are more attacking and more, yeah, attacking-minded. So, why is it that you feel that they will become a European powerhouse? For all you know, they might still be consistently defensively-minded. That's still okay. But they might not really be too successful because there are teams that are or the attacking style of football does better over a period of time?
1: Okay, Um, fun fact. Firstly, uh, Diego Simeone has only lost Champions League knockout games to a team that has Ronaldo in it. (laughs) That's a true fact. Uh, So maybe it's individual brilliance that's knocked him out of, of European games. But if you think about it, like domestically, um, which team has been able to break Real Madrid and Barcelona's dominance?
0: Okay, no that Madrid. no that that being said, right? but it's yeah. But you really wouldn't call them a powerhouse. Yeah, they've definitely been the rebellious sort of team that that is different from the norm, or yeah, breaks the norm, and it has been successful. I'd call them successful. I would, calling them a powerhouse is in a
1: few years it, if it goes this way. Maybe I, mean, I agree with you. Maybe I agree with you on that. Powerhouse, maybe a bit too soon to say, but maybe in a few years. Yeah,
0: uh, w- when it comes to the, uh, Simeone not losing a thing to Ronaldo, uh, to a, a team that doesn't have Ronaldo, that was ab- bound to break. Either Klopp was not going to lose a game at Anfield, uh, or it, or yeah, something like that, right? Klopp hadn't lost no, a game at Anfield, that,
1: in- no, that hasn't happened yet, though, right? No,
0: we lost that 3-2 in that extra time, whatever, right, the, at the end. That's exactly what
1: I said. So, so uh, the stat is Diego Simeone has not lost a Champions League uh, tie over two legs yeah, but, in a team that has Ronaldo in it. I mean, but that, I don't so know. He's I, only I can... lost to Real Madrid and Juventus, basically what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> That is in the knockout. But knockout, uh, only, yeah, in the lost, in only, the only. lost yeah.
0: I think only lost to Real Madrid because I think when he moved to Juventus, he lost it in the group stage itself. Uh, I'm not sure who the teams were in the group stage. So it could be, I think they had oh, Dortmund okay. and all those guys. So, I mean, oh, Dortmund again attacking okay. team. So I'm not really sure. But yes, Real Madrid. But again, it's Real Madrid. That Real Madrid had a, you know, it's almost like Galactico's power there. Yeah, and yeah. To, to call, to say... That kind of a stat is very interesting because, you know, it's sometimes coincidence. Like, Real Madrid had only lost to a team in uh, playing white or red or something like that in the Champions <laughs> League. That was supposed to be Liverpool. And there were a lot of these kind of things, coincidences that had right. uh, that were lined yeah. up, that things yeah. happened at the same time. Like Pope died <laughs> and all that. So, and then eventually, you it broke that. So, I
1: feel like that... I mean, I'm not saying that uh, Atletico Madrid no, don't. aren't don't get me wrong i'm not trying to justify like atletico madrid's play because of this stat i'm just i'm just trying to say that look his di- despite you know what you said like he he sets up a team that can win over two legs Definitely. more often I'd, than not
0: like to be like to be fair when Atletico's name popped up in the draw against Liverpool I was a, little, a lot more scared than if I had faced like Real Madrid or any other team because I know that like I remember in 2017 a Swansea manager saying that you might you guys might have a Ferrari but what's the point of having a Ferrari if you're going to be stuck in like traffic or something like that right so it, yeah, it's something yeah. similar so you know we have the attacking uh, maybe not as attacking as it was back then but still an attacking force but uh, if you put a solid wall in front of it, what, it's difficult to break down. Though, right. I, yeah. I would argue that probably in 2019, this season, we've done that most more successfully than ever before, breaking down teams.
1: But uh, has you, there been been any team, like from Liverpool's perspective, has there been any team this season that has actually gone out and has a defensive identity? Not just playing defensively, individually in- against Liverpool. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but in the
0: Premier League, you could say Burnley and stuff like that. Burnley is defensively minded. We said Crystal Palace was uh, slightly more defensively minded. Uh, we faced. I think Premier League has a lot, a few of these teams that a few. I wouldn't say a lot because some of the newly promoted sides are more attacking football than defensively. But a few of them that are. I wouldn't say only because against Liverpool. And again, I don't think teams against Liverpool are. This they don't sit back as much as they do against Manchester City. I feel like City is given the utmost yeah. respect than Liverpool. I think Liverpool people still think they can get at them, but
1: oh I, no, this season I, I mean, no way. I don't. No, 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 with no, that in
0: this not season. not this season. But I'm just saying in gen like over the past. Even past season, right? You you see teams give more respect to City and you think that they'd have a shot against Liverpool. Though I guess over time they'd learn that even Liverpool had a solid defense, right? So stuff so, like so
1: but okay, uh, maybe, maybe I mean, this yeah. might be an interesting, uh, not really a stat, but just knowledge for you. Like, um, so this season, uh, I think uh, they played Wolves, which are you could say the only team, in my opinion, that are really a strong defensive setup. I would say. And Liverpool's result against Wolves was 1-0 and 2-1 wins. They just scraped through, is what I'm trying to say. Maybe the result does not tell the whole story, but what I'm trying to say, they weren't like 6-0 wins or 5-0 wins. They were... What I'm trying to say is Liverpool struggled against teams that were set up defensively. And by that, I don't mean in an individual game. I mean with that identity. And yes, there is. There aren't too many teams that way, but that's where I see it going, and which is why you know we are talking about all of this. True, uh, and I guess Liverpool
0: though has scraped past many. Has scraped past many. I can't recall too many teams that we actually beat four, five nil and above. I think Arsenal and Leicester, and then Barcelona maybe are the only exception where we probably scored four or more. Oh, really? uh, did Liverpool
1: oh, no. score four against Arsenal?
0: No, this, uh, this time it was three. This time it was three. Last last season was five or four or whatever.
1: Oh really? uh, I, I don't bother watching those games. Even <laughs> no, I'm just joking.
0: No, this, this uh, time was three one, but yeah, uh the previous season was five one, that Firmino hat trick thing. But uh, no okay, but apart from these, we there are three other teams that I wanna just quickly mention that probably are not in the same mold as a defensively minded team, but have proven to be quite successful, and that's probably Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Bayern Munich. Uh, why is? I, mean, I, I, I would you agree with me in saying that they're probably not defensively minded? Um. Yes. Yeah, because I can't call P. I can't call PK a good defender and think that take them seriously that they're defensively
1: no, but, mind. but don't you think that again has something to do with like years and like decades of DNA like like Barcelona just play like a particular style and they have been playing that style for years on end so for them to stick to that style is, is okay like it, and they have like again unlimited cash they're ahead above everyone else is what I'm trying to say but if a team were to break that that stronghold it would be a defensive team. If you look at any league in Europe right now, if a team has to break, uh, break, you know, by break, I mean, win the league title from a team that's dominant, it will be a defensive team. The next team to win the Premier League outside Liverpool and Man City will be a defensive team.
0: Okay, that's interesting because...
1: Uh, Unless they have... I mean, like I mean,
0: Yeah, I get the the league part of him. But if you look at Barcelona and European football and Real Madrid as well, and probably even Bayern Munich as well, they've lost out to teams that play attacking football. Uh, I don't know, you said take Barcelona
1: versus Roma, right? Again, attacking football or attacking philosophy? Because both of them are kind of different. Because Barcelona has... Because look, Liverpool has an attacking philosophy, but they have a good defensive. Okay, so attacking philosophies, right? So you you
0: look at I I, okay, I I I don't know where I could place Roma. Whether it's attacking philosophy or defensively, I I'm guessing more attacking than defensive. at least more front foot I, w- I don't even know where to rank them they're more mid park somewhere or the other,
1: yeah, they're like, yeah, they I don't know if roma I, I mean i'm I'm sorry to offend any Roma fans, but I haven't watched Roma play much, but it doesn't seem like they have a set philosophy, like yeah an identity uh, that you would an identity you know like associate yeah, 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 so uh, I'm but, sorry, what is
0: your question no but but then Real Madrid okay, so you take Real Madrid last uh. Last year, I think they lost to Ajax, attacking philosophy. Uh, Juventus... Juventus oh, you you know were just terrible
1: on the day because they did not have their defenders. They did not have Sergio Ramos and Marcelo playing. So, a lot of people have come out and actually said that during that one game, um, you know, uh, that made the difference and the result would not have been as it is if if um, they had those two playing because uh, a lot of people talk about Ajax winning at, at Madrid, but people forget that Real Madrid won at Amsterdam Arena like a couple of weeks prior to that, when the team was fully fit. So I, I'm not, again, like with football, there's always a bit of uncertainty in grey area. Yes, there are exceptions, I understand. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to say is, yes, it is an exception, and that's why it's kind of interesting to talk about this as a topic. But that's that's moving from an exception into... Nor normality, normalcy, whatever you want to call it, if you understand but, what I'm saying, but do it's you becoming think, a trend. But do
0: you think that because if you see mainstream media and everything, the trend is to move towards more attacking style football? So do you feel like the defensive and probably this would be the last sort of question, or if, if you want yeah. to, but the defensive style of play, right? Everybody, in terms of uh, an advertisement and to get people to watch football, to watch football a lot more. Everyone's saying, play more attacking-style football. Even coaches are a little peeved when, uh, you know, everyone parks the bus or sits uh, sits in compact block. We saw Klopp. Okay, and I, I, let's not... Listen, Klopp is a sole loser at, at times. He, uh, he appreciates when the team's playing offensive style football and this football that he likes and then they lose and Liverpool lose, then it's fine. But if you see against Everton when we drew, they played compact. When we uh, lost against Atletico, he comes out with a little of a grumpy mood saying that you know they didn't play football and stuff, stuff like that. And while people like you and I might argue that, listen, at the end of the day, it's a results oriented game. They got the results, right? But so the general public or the media out there would be like, yeah, i mean. Only one team actually played football. They should actually start adopting a more attractive style. Is that in any way is that kind of I would not only diminishing the importance of a defensive minded team, but also is there a scare that soon teams may be forced to abandon that defensive setup and move to playing a more attractive style of football? rather than Obviously, what you are right i
1: agree with you 100% like
0: i mean rather I, than the opposite in which you were saying that you know it might
1: be a trend right now it may you know, actually I'm, not i'm saying like if it were up to the teams up to the managers i feel like that's the trend that's going on because again what i do you consider wolves unsuccessful or do you feel anyone's pressurizing wolves to play the way they are i don't think so but I still think they're defensively set up. they have a defensive uh, approach to the game like um that's kind of what I'm trying to it's it's a very it's very but difficult I, I to mean, draw like, lines but okay let's, I agree with you one hundred percent though like i one hundred percent agree with you because if you see a lot of pressure from the media because. If you see an Atletico Madrid winning the Champions League, it's very difficult to sell it to a fan who's just looking to, who just watches football for, you know, easy on the eye game. For a game that's easy on the eye. Mainstream media would love to have a Liverpool winning the Champions League because more often than not, over, you know, the 10, 9, 10 knockout games that they play, Liverpool have better games for the the spectator that's looking for pure entertainment from an easy on the eye attractive football, which is why the mainstream pundits, whatever you want to call it, love that. But again, if it gets the job done, who's to argue? Who can criticize it?
0: But do you think that it's more than suited to... These kind of knockout things, like yeah, I get Atletico won the league twice, breaking the uh the barrier, but the, breaking the dominance by the top two. But since then, it's not been an easy ride for them, you know, in the La Liga. They, I don't know, come third or second
1: whenever they've played. And they, they lost their the best played. player to Barcelona. So <laughs>
0: that's that's late, That's recently, right now. But like I said, I mean, Atletico Madrid is quite a unique thing because if you say, you may say. A few years ago, you may you might have said, "Oh, they've lost their keeper in the hair who was phenomenal for yeah. Atletico." They got Thibaut Courtois, okay, Kotwa, who was yes. like crazy. Then you say you lost Thibaut Courtois, and you know how important goalies are. Like as a Liverpool fan, I know especially how yeah. important they are.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But you they lost Courtois, they got Uh, Oblak, who is by far the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Uh,
1: yeah, right. Yeah. I agree so, with you. Yeah, I think
0: Atletico have found it. I wouldn't say that nobody's complaining in terms of the replacement they've got because I think apart from that Jackson Martinez guy or whatever, and I think a year or so where they had uh, I can't get the guy's name, but someone's with Betolo and somebody else they had. Um, Carrasco. No, no, Carrasco was still okay. They had somebody as a youngster who's struck. I, I'm not too sure about that, but uh, they at one point they did find themselves struggling, but you know they got Morata or. Uh,
1: uh, Kevin I, Gamero uh, or is he still part of them?
0: No, Gamero was quite recently. I can't really, I don't recall the guy, man. I'll, I'll text it to you later. But yeah, uh, yeah. that's the guy. I, so apart from those few years, I don't really see where Atletico, you know, were cribbing about getting the right player. And I, I
1: think so. I feel like. I think that's that's still look, it's it's. It's just testament to how good their scouting is. The fact that they can it replace Zeheya with Courtois and you can't you can't I mean I don't think it's fair to say that hey, just because they can get replacements, that means they aren't suffering. I mean the, there's still a void in that team. The ability might be there, but you're losing if you lose a presence like uh Company, for example, at Man City, you you might have the players you can go out and buy a LePort, but to lose that person, the individual, not the player, is still damaging to a team. So if you lose like a De Gea, you lose a Griezmann. Yeah, you can spend 100 million on Ja Felix, but you lose Griezmann as a presence in the dressing room. You, you, you lose a World Cup winner in your team. So, yes, like I agree with you on certain aspects, but I also disagree with you on... When, when you say it's easy to replace players based on pure ability because it's not... No, but I, I'm, not
0: saying, I'm not amazing. saying it's easy to because I know it's not very easy to replace players. Like you said, replacing Suarez would, is, was never going to be easy, right? And we made a huge hash out of it. I'm just saying Atletico yeah. Madrid, yes, their scouting has been great. But you know, just thinking about it, I really can't think of that one really important player that Atletico Madrid have lost maybe. And I don't know what happened behind the room right uh, behind the scenes and everything so i don't know in in the uh dressing room if that person's actually important but you know on the field you know how important van dyke is you know how important company is just because of the way he portrays himself so maybe Gordon, maybe that person who you might uh, say they've probably lost and that's been a downfall but otherwise i feel like the the passion and the everything that that Atletico is athletic known for it comes from the manager, uh, the motivation, and you know, I right, think he's right. most important. So if he goes, then I you could see that there's a problem. But uh, okay,
1: I, let I, me let me try to explain this in uh, using another example, maybe hmm. that might help. So okay. at uh, PSG, when Unai Emery arrived at PSG, before he kicked a ball in the league, he lost Ibrahimovic and David Luiz, and both were. Really, really important presence in the dressing room. And the two seasons he was there, he was honestly not given too much of a chance because the first season was just impossible to bring the dressing room together and unite them. And that is basically what happened at a much larger scale than what what happens when you lose one player. Like, in the sense, you have everything constant, where right? your manager is the same, everything is the same, one player goes. Yes, you need to fill that void. But that, in an extreme situation, is what happened with Unai Emery at PSG. So... I'd, I don't I'd agree th- with you there. Like, see, again, when you change the team, circumstances
0: change. So, what I was talking about was very specific to Atletico Madrid. Right, right, uh, right. But if you take the stance of PSG, then my argument becomes void because... That's that varies. So PSG, I completely agree. Ibrahimovic and uh, whoever, David Luiz were quite a big pres- were quite big presences in the dressing room. And I, I the reason I brought that point up is because it was solely mm-hmm. focused on Atletico Madrid, and I felt like the the yeah, the, yeah. the failings in the league. Uh, personally, I don't. Yes, is sometimes down to the fact that they had to sell. But unlike in Dortmund, where they sold Lewandowski, Godza and Roy, uh, and. Whoever, uh, Hummels, right? They sold them to Bayern Munich and they really didn't replace any of those. Those three were like the key players, right? In the Dortmund side that won the the league and the Pokal and everything. So they couldn't replace them. And then you saw them, like Klopp fell to 17th or when he left, it was eventually 10th or something. Yeah. yeah. But, But if you see with Atletico, I really can't say that if Griezmann's gone and they got 120 million now whether you could argue how they spent it is different but I really don't see that they've lost so many people or one really key player who is holding the team together So, like a Virgil van Dijk or a company I feel like yeah. that that is on the manager. The man, if the manager leaves, then I could say that. But in terms yeah, of the players, yeah. I feel like Atletico... And I feel like their failings in La Liga more down to maybe teams trying to... Fig, having, I've been able to figure them out a little more and maybe he's running out of ideas rather than... Which is why I feel like... Why, why I'm asking, like, is there a you know scare that defensive-minded teams may soon find themselves at the bottom of the pile? And also why I say that is... We know how much money, and I know that I said the previous one was the last point, but let me, because I really want to bring this up because we know how money oriented football is. Right? Uh, so, you know, whether you're a relegation team, whether you're a championship winning team, whatever, we know how important it is for clubs to increase their fan base so that they can sell more of their stuff. They can get more revenue from match days, uh, selling of club souvenirs, stuff like that. Now. If everybody starts liking only attacking style football, then the teams that are way too defensive-minded are probably going to fall down the pecking order for a neutral fan watching football for the first time. to choose them as their club. you get what I mean? Is that, Does that sound
1: I mean, logical? I understand what you mean. But uh, if you try to look at a slightly bigger picture, like I'm, I can agree with everything you said, but if you look at a slightly bigger picture, like I think Atletico Madrid before Simeone, was never like consistently top two, top three in the league. Right. So in my opinion, like that defensive football got stability and success with regards to finishing top three or top two in the league. Sometimes even winning the league title. And for me, that's an achievement. That's in my opinion, a success because for me, yes, you need to win trophies, but also success is determined by these parameters, like how consistent you are. And I don't, like I think if you asked me 10 years ago what are the best teams in La Liga you'd say Real Madrid, Barcelona if you ask me today I'd say Real Madrid, Barcelona Atletico Madrid and the fact that they got into that bracket is testament to the philosophy and how they approached things and the way they were because they were this consistent so I agree with you but also tell me this one thing if today Liverpool win the league title which will happen very soon by playing the way they are right you will buy yeah. a Liverpool shirt you will have you know, hundred more Liverpool fans who watch the game, staying up till three in the morning in far, in far, you know, East. I, Asia. I, I get. It. I, I, so you're trying to say success is a bigger. Yeah, success is what mm-hmm. matters. You know, like I feel. Even by the way, just saying, um, it's it's about how the club reach out to those countries. Yes, that's a factor, but also success. So right now, I would say I've seen people like four people in a Tottenham shirt. But if Tottenham win a league title, I would see forty people in a Tottenham shirt, irrespective of how they play. So it's success determines you know the short sales or all of that, but also in my opinion, yes, attacking football does have a does have an effect. I don't think that attacking football controls everything. I think it's a part. I agree with you on that, but I think there are so many more factors that determine it, and I don't see why a defensive defensively set up team cannot um you know get the same outreach of fans or outreach of um of uh, support because I know they're inter Milan fans t- till today I know they're inter Milan fans because Mourinho won the treble there. Fair In enough defensive no. setup. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I I asked you if money was going to be a factor. Yes, I do. I, I I do agree with you that there are other factors. You know, when I speak to people like you and other fans, right, they have various stories of why they became fans, and it's not only to do with the style of play. You can imagine when I speak to a West Ham fan that he's not going to be because he's not going to be a fan because of the style of play. It's because of people. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just because of his father who watched it in the eighties, and maybe they were playing at a better style of football back then. But, yeah, yeah. you know, there are various reasons. And I completely agree with you. I'm not saying money is the only reason. I'm just asking, is that… Yeah, you, no, no, no. You're playing
1: devil's advocate. I understand. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. yeah. No, no. But, the, yeah. I'm just kind of saying, wondering, could that be a reason? And also, you mentioned Simeone. You mentioned Conte. Are, are they kind of a dying breed? Do we see more managers coming up through the ranks that are actually more defensively minded? Or do you feel like, you know, once they've had their moment and, you know, once they
1: retire that… Right, uh, right. I think, dude. In my opinion, yeah, they, they, that's. I can see that trend continuing because sometimes a team just would not have the resources to go out and play that kind of football. And the best, honestly, Mourinho. However critical I have to be of him as an Arsenal fan, I appreciate him for how he's playing, of, of how he's adapting to the situation. At every club he's been to, and he's that just proves that he is one of the best managers because he can adapt a team to the team's philosophy and the best for the team and not the his philosophy implemented in different clubs. So if you ask me, like, I know we're drifting a bit off topic, but if you ask me who's better, Mourinho or Sari, I'd say Mourinho because Sari is implementing Sari ball or variations of that in different but clubs, which he should not be doing. So,
0: But you could say that's the reason why Mourinho didn't, didn't do extremely well in Manchester. Like you mentioned, there's a clash of philosophies. So maybe then Mourinho has to be better in choosing which team that he
1: kind of yes, Yes, that's what Mourinho actually said in one of his interviews. He actually yeah. said that, I want to be sure of what the club wants yeah. before I accept the job. And for a manager like Mourinho to say finishing second at Manchester United is his best achievement. Yeah, okay, I get it. it. It is PR that he's doing it. But a part of it is true. Like, I genuinely believe that, you know, if... He played with Man United's philosophy. Man United would have not finished anywhere near second in the league.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think that was one of his one of the better achievements of his, his entire career, uh, because of the mammoth task that he had and the way he went exactly. About it. But yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I think with I mean Mourinho. Yeah, there's there's a lot we can talk about him and all of that, but yeah, whether his philosophy. I mean, I personally, I feel like. A manager does have to have his philosophy and shouldn't change it based on the club that he goes to but have his philosophy but not really force it upon like what Sarri does like you know I have only one philosophy and that but it has to like Klopp had the philosophy of gegenpressing and pressing from front but he, you, know, you can only do what you have with the players around you and then you have to you know change it over time and not only based on the team but based on the league that you're playing in and the other teams and stuff like that so there's a lot of lot more modification than going simply you know i have this one style it's, it's only going to be one style so i completely agree
1: yeah, and i yeah. feel like and i feel like um, just you know, one point is i have yeah. to make because you yeah. said this like i just absolutely have to make it because like you can have a manager who's really good at one club who fails at another club so it is about the manager's philosophy aligning with the club's philosophy and mentality. So like in my opinion, like Man United and Mourinho were doomed because like both of them, yes, it's 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 very difficult to explain, but I'm trying to think of another example. Uh let's say let's say appoint- think- Chelsea appointing Conte and Sari like one after the other was a terrible move. Because you move a team from a defensive setup to a completely different... like To a manager who is not flexible. You need to have a manager who is flexible. And that's the sign of a great manager. I have to mention, Borussia on Mönchengladbach, because uh, Marco Rose, who was a coach of RB uh, Bull Salzburg in Austria, moved to Mönchengladbach. And now they're playing really good football, having their own identity. So someone like Klopp, who creates an identity in a club, that's good, but someone who disrupts an already existing identity more often not tends to have a negative effect, like Sari. It's, it's like
0: saying, like if I hire Conte after Klopp, please, it'll be like two really contrasting styles of football. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I mean, again, with this topic, it's not really a right or wrong. It's just literally both of us are having a discussion on it. So Exactly, yeah. Uh, but
0: yeah, so I mean, the, another thing that I and probably the last remarks here, but like I remember I saw an interview, Sky Sports interview with Jamie Carragher and uh, Gary Neville and all, and it's always Gary Neville, right? Astor <laughs> voice, but but they were discussing the same thing that we were. That is, you know, are we? Is it just important to have every team play attacking style? And Gary was like, yeah, I mean, that's what football is moving to. That's what it's evolving to. But you know, Gara said something that which I also kind of agree with, which is. It is always nice to have that one or two rebels in that league, uh, just because they give you something different to fight. For. I mean,
1: just something it poses. A yeah, it's a, complex complex it's a different. It's a different. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a different. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's what I'm looking for. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's basically if everyone starts playing the same thing, it becomes like a homogeneous product that everyone just you know, has to watch. Exactly,
1: right? yeah. It's an, it's another factor. It's another variable in the whole
0: equation. Yeah, it's variety. It gives it gives something. Yeah, for managers also, it's just a little more, it just gives you a different puzzle to break through and, you know, just prove yourself, right? So, you say Klopp couldn't break down teams before. But right now, you he's proved that he can break down teams with the right players and all of that. So, it's kind of like he has elevated himself. He has developed himself. So, It's always good to have, you know, people with various differing styles and and a defensive minded team is always fun to have because, yes, it may not be the best matches to watch, but, you know, tactically, if you're a purist, like you said, that's the time when you actually enjoy because that's your, it's like playing chess, right? Exactly. Yeah. If everyone's starts making predictable moves, then it's just going to be very easy, but the one who yeah. plays it differently is just going to be interesting. Uh, True, and even the, even
1: even when you talk about like I know we have I know we are concluding, but uh, even speaking about Atletico Madrid Liverpool, I know Atletico Madrid won the tie on two legs, but for na- like ninety five minutes, you could say Liverpool were like ahead in the tie. Uh, I mean yeah. uh, at Anfield. So again, that that's maybe this conversation might have been different if Atletico Madrid had lost that game, but. Yeah. It's it's not that one philosophy is right and the other philosophy is wrong. It just it's just two contrasting philosophies, and you know what as a purist is interesting to watch. And then the uncertainty of football comes in, and you have a result. But it's it's very interesting to see, as you said. Um,
0: but yeah, yeah, more than that,
1: that I-, I hope people talk about it. Like it just people talk exactly. about the fact that defensive football is also good it's not bad which is i feel what a lot of pundits are just shoving down people's throats that attacking football is good defensive football isn't so yeah yeah i think this whole discussion is just basically to change that mindset or that mentality exactly
0: you don't have to put so the thing which i don't like about the mainstream media is that they put that into brackets or groups so you know uh, attacking style push them into the good side you know defensive bad and yet, you have them being slightly hypocritical when you have teams who are in relegation battles, and then they say, "Oh, you have to be more, you have to play more defensive, you have to get your defense right, stay compact." You know, that's the kind of football that people will not like. But that's at the end of the day, you need to survive. You need that to survive. Back. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. Uh, but what this, like you said, this entire discussion that we're having is not to s- g- take sides or anything, but to basically course, tell people, yeah. yeah, no, but to tell people that you know don't shun away the defensive style because if we do that and if at the end of the day, uh, you know, in the ne- near future there is no defensive style, then football might just get a little too boring because there is no challenge to certain teams, you know,
1: teams that love to attack and who have the best of players will just score goals for fun. Um, exactly and uh, I just want to like even to your viewers like who are probably listening if you feel that you agree with us I, I feel like there are two games which I would recommend you to watch if not the games the tactical analysis of these two games one we have mentioned it today which is Liverpool Atletico Madrid and the second is uh, Inter Milan uh, Barcelona in the Champions League when <laughs> Mourinho was the manager. He he tells that, you know, uh, for those who don't know, uh, it was, I think, the semifinals of the Champions League, and the first leg was in Inter Milan, uh, where they won 3-1. Inter Milan won 3-1. And they had to defend that at Camp Nou in this return leg. And Inter Milan lost 1-0, but it was a defensive masterclass. So, I would really, really uh, recommend people go and watch it and see how much thought actually goes behind defending because it's just not eight people standing behind the ball. It's, it's tactically deciding, you know, who tracks the runners, who closes the half spaces, all of these things. And honestly, it's really fascinating. So if you have the time, please, please, please watch that. Yeah. But if you have even more time, I suggest
0: listening to this podcast first, then probably doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other podcasts as well. But yeah, I guess, I mean, that's should be all the time. Ta- that should be everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I just mimics. kind of yeah lost track of that but i mean i guess that's all we have for you for this particular podcast episode thanks arjun for being a part as always we'd love to have you on here again in the near future probably do something i mean l- right now i it's just like i don't want to do the same old match reviews and all of that This that's why i thought now would be a good time to talk something completely left field, something that people aren't really going to be talking about so much, so offer something different, uh, because everyone's going to be talking about Arsenal and Man City and Liverpool and blah, 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 so... Transfers. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, transfers, yeah. yeah, it's not even started right now and people are talking about it, so yeah. uh, Champions League, hopefully that also, I guess, we should try and cover as well soon, but uh, for now, I think this was a good topic to talk about and discuss, given that we were are almost close to grounding pretty much most of the champions except champions, maybe la right. liga is the close is the closest this year yeah
1: um, even syria actually is just one point right syria oh right there. yeah 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 yeah. yeah yeah, so yeah and the- again like as as you said if uh if anyone who's listening has any uh ideas or recommendations that you would like us to talk about if or if you want to join the podcast as well uh please do get in touch with us and yeah, we can have a good discussion when you, when you guys, if you guys have the right topic for it. Thanks Arjun for stealing my line. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you have said it so often that it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's become right. practice. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. See, that,
1: that's what we need in football.
0: See, if I say it again and again, or if I do, it's the same thing, right? It's like a perfect metaphor and analogy. Uh, the same thing over and over again but you need someone else to come in and break it but great I, I, I mean, thanks for listening to this entire one hour or more than one hour uh, podcast episode uh, if you like it you can uh, follow us on you know seven different podcast platforms or or, or on twitter as well uh, where i've been pr- predominantly more active of late i guess lockdown effects and all of that but yeah you can follow us there you can follow us on instagram uh and let us know like arjun said if you want to be part of this podcast as well share with friends and family as uh and yeah let us know what you guys think so i guess that's it for episode number 44 i'm your host praddy once again and see you (laughs)